Hey, before this podcast, I did another version of a of a similar sort of ilk, but uh, the name kind of probably put a lot of people off listening to it because it in- implied something nerdy. So I disbanded that and started this one. But the recordings that I did are obviously still there and still legible. So what I've done is I've re-engineered them into this feed. It's exactly the same recording that I did uh, probably two months ago now, but uh, thought I'd represent it here in this particular feed for any new listeners. So um, enjoy. The boat can leave now. Tell the crew. My name's Steve Pickett, and today I'm going to talk about one of my most favourite films. A film I can go back to time and time again and watch with just as much excitement as when I saw it the first time round, which would have been about circa... 20 years ago when I first saw it on an incredibly dodgy, bad copy video cassette pirate at the time. It wasn't in any way legal uh, in any shape or form. It wasn't even really available um, to buy. You couldn't get it in, you, know, you couldn't go down to your local R price or whatever was available then, Smiths, and pick up a copy of this film. You had to get it through other means, other methods. And I think, if I remember rightly, I swapped it with somebody for something, but I can't exactly remember exactly how I got it. But I watched it over and over again until the tape got totally worn. I now have it on DVD. I believe it's going to be made available on Blu-ray this year, which is going to be an amazing sight because it's an incredibly low-budget, very, very grainy affair. Um, But um, I am talking about uh, Lucio Fulci's 1979 classic, Zombie Flesh Eaters. Uh, It has its UK title. Its original title, well, its original title was in Italian, which I can't pronounce. But its original title, generally known, was Zombie 2. It's not actually a sequel. It's a pseudo sequel, a marketing ploy. It was a cash-in in on George Romero's uh, classic, other, other, other zombie classic, Dawn of the Dead, which was launched just before. And in Italy, where this film was homegrown, made and, and, and produced, it, Dawn of the Dead was called Zombie, just simply Zombie. Uh, obviously didn't translate very well into uh, it- Italian, or maybe there was a film called Dawn of the Dead already over there. But it was just called Zombie, and they made this film and called it Zombie 2, so that everyone thought it was a sequel and everyone would rush towards going to see it. And I, I believe it kind of worked because it was quite a successful film. It meant that the director, Lucio Fulci, was able to continue making these kind of gore fests. Unlike Dawn of the Dead, though, which was, don't get me wrong, a fantastic film, again, one of my favourites, this really upped the ante on the gore uh, factor. It, it became something of a, of, of a behemoth in the gore stakes. So much so that originally when the film was launched, it was the first, and in my mind, the only film that where you could actually, actually said that they would hand out bath bags, uh, literally, airline sick bags that you'd get if you were going to fly on a plane to the audience in cinemas because of the nature of the content. There's been many marketing ploys over the years with films, but this is the only one I've heard of where they're actually going to give you a bag to throw up in because of what you're going to see. Um, Stunning. And it rings kind of true. It is a very, very visceral, very graphic film. It It was banned in the early 80s by the British Film Classification Board. Uh, as a video nasty, amongst all the other films that were that were tucked away, never to be seen um, by the general public back in those days, it was it, it, you could get hold of it uh, through various methods, like I said, like I did. But it wasn't really until sort of like the late nineties where it was started to become available on DVD, heavily cut at the time, uh, and then it got reissued and resubmitted. Two thousand and five was when it was passed fully uncut by the UK Film 
classification boards you could get what, what I call the full meat edition i.e. everything was in there now in 2005 and that's the copy that I still have today I believe it's going to be available on Blu-ray soon and so yeah I may pick that up but anyway so Lucio Fulci is the director a man of some 50 odd films um, not all horror he started off in a different guy he started off making like spaghetti westerns he's Italian um, born in 1927 fortunately passed in 1996 started diabetes but um, but made some of the most amazing uh, uh, gore fests um, that we can uh, get hold of at the moment. I'm, I'm not talking like the modern day kind of stuff. I'm talking about real Italian gore. You have to see it to believe it if you've never seen an Italian gore film. Um, so he directed it. He didn't write this particular one, but he does. He has written lots of films. He's acting in some. In fact, he, he plays a little cameo in this one. Um, he's done special effects. He's done makeup. He produces. He, he's... Is a is a is a little Hollywood studio all on his own, and so he produced, he directed and produced over fifty odd films in his career, some TV as well. And it wasn't until the sort of late seventies into the eighties and into the early nineties that he producing these uh, out and out outrageous gore films. Um, like I said, it's not a sequel. Um, so the Zombie Two, it's called Zombie Flesh Eaters in the UK. If you want to try and get hold of it, uh, it doesn't really have any names in it. There's a, there's a few people um, that are in it, but of course that's part of the fun i think if there's if you're going to watch a, a, a film and you know who the people are especially a film like this you know who's going to live and who's going to die i mean if it was you know zombie flesh eaters with will smith uh, as the main cast you know he's not going to kick it or extremely unlikely to things you know are different these days than they used to be but so it's pretty much unknowns and obviously this is back in 1979 and none of these people you know particularly know the main cast uh, the main lead is tisa farrow um who is uh, an american who really didn't go on to do much more after this. She appeared, I believe, in only two films. One of them was the Anthropophagus Beast, The Grim Reaper, another absolute video nasty um, from, the, from the 80s. And she hasn't really done anything since then. Um, she's still alive. She obviously just came out of, uh, out of acting and went into something else. It also stars Ian McCulloch. Now, Ian McCulloch is a Glaswegian, <laughs> born and bred in Glasgow. 1939 he was born. Uh, he went on to do lots of other bits and pieces, especially in UK TV. He was in The Professionals. He was in Doctor Who, Dempsey and Makepeace. Uh, he was in Taggart. Hasn't really done anything since the uh, the, the mid-90s. Um, so, you know, he kind of also gave up acting, but the guy's getting on a bit now. Uh, there's Al Cliver who plays um, uh, Brian, who is an Egyptian, and he's been in a lot of things since, again, up until kind of the 90s, but mostly overseas stuff, nothing that we'd uh, really heard of in the UK. Uh, There's Susan, played by Auretta Gay, and she only made about four films in her entire life, so there's nothing much going on there. Uh, And she was, uh, she's certainly not English, and IMDb doesn't list where she comes from, but I'd imagine probably Italian or something like that. Um, there's also Dr. David Maynard, played by Richard Johnson. Now, Richard Johnson comes from Upminster in Essex. Uh, he's a stout British uh, actor from the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. Um, and he's appeared in many, many things over the years. A lot of, again, a lot of English TV, a lot of similar things as, uh, as, as what Ian McCulloch did. Um, he was in The Chamomile Lawn. He's been in Kavanagh. He's been in, uh, he was in Tomb Raider for a little bit. He was in um, Doc Martin, Midsummer Murders, uh, Spooks. 
Uh, recently, he was in Lewis just last year, so he's still around. But he's a he's a traditional old school actor. Um, and then there's Olga Carlotos, uh, an Italian, uh, uh, sorry, a Greek actress who again didn't go on to do a great deal, but just a few more years in the uh, in the limelight of doing bits and pieces. But um, probably her most famous uh, uh, role was actually in Purple Rain. She was Prince's mother. <coughs> so anyway. Let's get down to the film. So it's it's a, it's a multilingual cast and crew. So it's quite clearly dubbed. You can tell it's dubbed from the beginning, right smack from the beginning when it opens up. Um, that there's a lot of uh, overdubbing of actors because you know some of them were, as I said, Glaswegian. There's some Americans. There's Italians. There's Greek. Most of the casting, most of the crew were Italian where it was made, but it was filmed in America, so they would use some of those guys as well. So it's it's heavily dubbed, as are most of Lucio Fulci's films if, you know, when you get to see them. Um, but you get that feeling straight away, straight from the off. You can tell it's been overdubbed, and it, it starts with a, a body um, swathed in white sheets uh, that's lying on a on a bed or a cot, um, and it's quite. You get these jungle drums in the back to give the intention that it's not, you know, in the UK. It's somewhere, somewhere overseas, somewhere Caribbean or somewhere exotic. Um, and this uh, this body slowly rises up. It, it wakes up uh, with a sheet attached. It's all roped together, and it wakes and rises. And then this gun kind of comes into shot, and bang, gets shot in the head, and you know, blood kind of like sort of spurts a little bit. Um, and this body goes back down. And then you get this the classic line that I that I know and love from this film, which is, "The boat can leave now. Tell the crew." And it cuts to this. It cuts to the credit sequence, and this. Awful, dreary, uh, uh, you know, late seventies. Obviously, uh, synth score. Um, it's it's awfully plodding and it's it's it, when you're watching it, you feel, oh, what am I doing watching this? But you've got to stick with it because it absolutely fits the film perfectly once it starts to get going. It is. It's really, really good zombie music. Uh, old school. Wouldn't fit today, standards of zombies. But then, it, it, you didn't realise it when you are watching it, but it fitted perfectly. Absolutely superb. Cuts to a boat uh, riding the waves into the New York Harbour area. Um, it's seemingly empty. There's no one at the helm. There's things cluttering and clanking. And, you know, you, you, you can tell there's no one aboard this. And it kind of like just glides into into the bay. Nearly gets hit by uh, a passenger uh, passenger boat. Uh, eventually, the police search the boat, uh, and two coppers are on on the boat. And one of them goes down below deck, and it's a bit eerie. And you can hear flies buzzing around, and and you see plates of half-eaten you know food putrefying, and they're covered in maggots. And he looks towards the cooker, and it's covered in kind of like big centipedes and worms and you know and it's all creepy crawly and a real sense of dread and at the same time there's this I mean brilliant uh, uh, sound design on this film really really good it's got this low buzzing kind of hum this kind of kind of awful noise that just the noise alone makes you want to be sick it really does it's, it's it, you've got to hear it to understand it but it really does fill you with a sense of dread as he's looking around the room, we're going to go you know, gipping a little bit. He kind of knocks and nudges a table, and then this sheet falls to the floor, and this dismembered, bloody hand stump falls out. And it, it's you know, the bones are showing through the skin, and the flesh has been rot, rot, rotted away, and it looks like it's been chewed. And you know, and it, obviously it startles him. And as it startles him, it quickly cuts to a, a doorway that kind of smashes open, and this huge fat 
blood-caked zombie struggles through the door and grabs hold of him and takes him to the ground while the guy's screaming. The zombie lifts himself and, and, and rips a big chunk of flesh out of his of his throat and blood squirts across the screen. <laughs> and this, it, I mean, it, it it sounds hokey, but it's it's really well done. You know, the the blood is very watery and very very old school and very very low budget, but it looks really really good. The 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 skin all tears and peels away, and the you can see the jugular sort of like blubbing over with blood. Um, the zombie then uh, gets shot by the other copper, and the zombie falls into the water. And the boat obviously uh, belongs to someone, and they find out it belongs to this scientist. Uh, he isn't aboard the boat, but they call his daughter, and his daughter comes down and identifies the boat, um, and then starts to get curious about where where is where her father is. His father's a scientist, and so where's her father? Um, at the same time, this local journalist, uh, played by Ian McTulloch, um, gets uh, gets embroiled into the into the mystery about this boat uh, and starts to dig around, and eventually meets up with um, with the the daughter. And they, they agree together to go to uh, the island of Matul, somewhere in the Caribbean, not entirely sure where, um, to find her father. They get this letter which says about that he's contracted a, uh, a disease and uh, um, he's trying to cure it and not to come and stuff like that. You know, you hokey, old hokey uh, horror stuff. But um, they decide to go anyway. Uh, and they, they travel towards the island. But to get to the island, they need to get a boat. They get so far by plane, and they need to get a boat. And that's where they meet Brian and Susan, uh, a, a couple who are going to be touring the island, doing a bit of fishing, doing a bit of diving, sightseeing, that kind of thing. Um, and after a bit of, mm, I'm not entirely sure we want to go to this island, I've heard the locals are, you know, have problems with it, they decide to take them with them. They decide to take them on the boat. Um, so the four of them set off for the island of Matul. Now, obviously, the island's... Um, uh, uh, either quarantined or you know it's, it's got it's, it's a curse over it um the hospital is full of sick patients all dying or something and there's the local doctor dr david maynard played by the um uh, traditional old school actor um is uh is is, is trying to understand it he's researching it he's racing against time to understand the disease and at the same time his wife who stays at home um is a bit of a bit of a drama queen bit of a scream queen played by Olga Colartis. Um, she's desperate to get off the island. You know, oh, the zombies are coming away. They're on the other side of the island. So everyone knows about it. There's no there's no secret. Um, but they're not there where they are yet at the hospital. They're just... That's probably where they where the people die and then they get moved over or something. You never really see that. But um, she's desperate to get off the, off the island. She's fearing for her life. Anyway, the quartet of heroes uh, eventually arrive at the island and they find it overrun with zombies, obviously. You know, they, they, they go into the doctor's house and there's a bunch of them sitting around eating somebody uh, <laughs> in, in, in really graphic style. It's fantastically done, really well done because it's low angles and low light. You just get these, gl- it looks brilliant the way they, it looks fantastic. It's overrun with zombies and they are cl- closing in on everybody in the island and the, the locals are scattering. Um, now, the zombies in this film are a slow-moving, old-school George Romero zombies, lumbering, boom, boom, blood-caked, big gore-drenched uh, 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 holes and wounds and there's mud and shit all over them. I mean, they look rotted. They look as if they have literally crawled out of the grave, um, as one does uh, later in the film. One of my favourite three sequences is one where actually one does actually crawl out of the grave in, uh, in fantastic 
fantastic style. Um, anyways, but after a run-in with these zombies, our, our heroes, it's then a race against the movie clock as such to uh, to get back to their boat. They've gone in to find out where the, 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 the scientist is. They find out that he's, he's dead. Um, her father's dead. Now they've got to get off the island before the zombies get them. And it doesn't get much more complicated than that, to be fair. Uh, the film ends with a, uh, a big shootout in the local church uh, as the zombies close in and there's a lot of uh, fire and the church goes up in smoke and uh, uh, some of our heroes die. Some of them don't. I'm not going to give away who does and who doesn't. Um, but there's, uh, uh, there's one final note at the end of the film which takes us back to New York, full circle, uh, where we learn that uh, you know, now a full-on zombie breakout has hit New York. And you see a shot of the Brooklyn Bridge with these zombies lumbering across it towards, you know, the, the American population. And, and Armageddon, obviously, um, uh, which leads them on to, uh, obviously, sequels and stuff like that. But, um, it, you know, it, it doesn't get much more complicated than that. It is all about the set pieces and the sequences within that film that really, really make this uh, a fantastic watch. And I've got three, three standout sequences that, uh, that I just want to tell you about that um, I, I think really, really make this film. And it, it really what sums up when you talk about zombie flesh is these three sequences um the first one uh is it's en route to the island with a four in the boat and susan um decides to go diving that's what they said at the beginning so they, they, their plan is just to dive and to fish and to sightsee so she decides to go diving um cure topless sequence obligatory I believe in these kind of films um, so she's down there she's diving she's having a whale of a time and she spies a shark this big t- shark I'm not sure if it's a great white it might be a tiger shark but it's big um, comes out of uh, well not comes out of the water but is in the water cut lumbering towards her um, some fantastic camera work done um, as the shark glides past the, the, the actress I mean there's, there's definitely an actress down there you see her um, in the same shot together uh, really well filmed um, uh, sequence that she hides um, underneath some nearby cor- coral to get away from the shark while it's sort of circling a little bit um, and then while she's underneath this coral <laughs> get this a zombie comes out and grabs her <laughs> And this is an underwater zombie. <laughs> You've never seen anything like that before, have you? It comes out and grabs hold of her. They have a little tussle and a little struggle. She kicks him off. And then the shark comes in and attacks the zombie. <laughs> who The zombie then attacks the shark back. I mean, there's a sequence literally. There's a bit of the sequence literally where the zombie rips a chunk off the shark. Or seemingly rips a chunk off the shark. And he's probably just taking it from behind its fin or something like that. That's uh, uh, covered in blood and blood starts to go into the water and all that. Obviously, they're underwater. And he starts grab, taking a chunk out of his mouth. It, it, it's, it's amazingly well filmed. You even get a bit where the guy is, is underneath the shark and gnawing at the shark's belly or such. You know, trying to bite into the shark's belly. Uh, it's how much of it is fake how much of it is real I really don't know but it's superbly filmed I believe it was a shark wrangler uh, you know like the shark's owner as such that was doing this I mean they're, they're literally tussling and fighting and eventually the shark grabs hold of the zombie's arm and fake arm I imagine at this point um, and rips it out of its socket and you can hear this bone crunching going as it takes it away uh, a classic sequence really really well made never seen anything like it before probably never seen anything like it again that's filmed in that style sure you could do it with CG these days I mean just look at uh, uh, Deep Blue Sea you, you could do it quite simply but this was filmed you know more or less in the moment and it looks amazing um, considering its budget restrictions you have to see it to believe it 
Second sequence, standout sequence, was one of the main reasons why it was a video nasty and it was one of the areas that were heavily cut at the time when it came out was um, the doctor's wife, Dr Maynard's wife, is having a, a shower uh, after she's had a, oh, I want to get off the island kind of sequence. She's having a shower, more nudity, <laughs> um, and she gets attacked by a zombie that's trying to get through uh, into the house. And she's up against uh, a door that she's, she's closed on him. Um, and the zombie then smashes through the door, smashes through the wooden door, not so he can get through, but his arms can get through. But as he smashes, he splinters the wood of the wooden door outwards towards her. The zombie grabs hold of her hair and starts pulling her slowly. And it's, it's quite a, it's, it's a gruesome moment because it's so slow. It takes ages and she's screaming and she's got her mouth open and her eyes are wide open as well. As the zombie's dragging her hair, pulling her hair, trying to pull her back, she's trying to pull away. There's a big shard of, 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 of broken wood sticking out um, towards her eye. And you get a real good close-up of the uh, of the wood nearing its way towards the camera and then her eye coming towards the camera and it's kind of two shot and the two obviously then eventually after much screaming and pulling and you know quite a lot of prolonged camera of sustained suspense the two hit each other and the 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 wooden shard smooshes into her eyeball and then breaks off and she a low guttural scream you know as she uh, as obviously this, this this shard of wood is in her brain and such i mean it's quite gooey it's quite nasty um the effect afterwards of seeing this lump of uh, of wood in her eyes is is very fake looking, but uh, but before and the suspense, you know, there's a lot of head turning as I watch this for some people. Uh, but again, another fantastic sequence. It's now fully uncut. You can get it fully uncut in the new version, but that was one of the main reasons why it was a nasty for a long time. The third and final of my standout moments of this film is a bit where. The, uh, our heroes as such, our, our quartet of heroes, uh, after running away from a, a, a running with the zombies at the doctor's house, um, come across, they, they decide to rest up a little bit because they've been running, they, they rest up in this area and then quickly realise it's a graveyard um, where a zombie, the, a zombie starts to put itself out of the grave as such and it, it sounds hokey but you have to see it to believe it, it's, it's really well done, this guy clearly was buried <laughs> underneath the front in the ground and drags himself up in a kind of slow-mo kind of style and in his one of his eye sockets is like a mass a mass of crawling worms and shit that kind of falls out as he as he comes up again it's paper mache kind of head as such but um he he, he, he pulls himself out of the grave um and then again in a typical kind of slow-mo kind of style the, uh, it, le- it leaps towards, or not leaps, but lunges towards Susan, who is looking aghast as this zombie pulls itself out of the out of the ground, um, and uh, takes a huge big chunk out of her neck. And in, in slow mo, you see that all the skin ripping, kind of like kind of a, a plastic kind of appliance, or whatever it is, and you know the jugular bubbling up and blood spraying everywhere. And it, and it again, it looks really really messy and gory and really well done. Um, that the, that 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 zombie then gets its head kind of split in two by one of the other the other heroes after she's dead, um, and then more zombies start to crawl out the ground and they run off. But it's it's almost better than Thriller the way they do it because you can see all the earth moving to one side. Brilliant sequence, really well, well filmed. Um, never seen anything like that before in my life. Uh, really really well made. It's easily the best of the old-style zombie films, in my opinion. Uh, it, it's drenched in low-grade, but very, very convincing gore. The guys, uh, they did a fantastic job in making it uh, um, truly, um, truly, you know, 
vomit-inducing. That's <laughs> the word I can use to pronounce it to, to describe this film. Um, and it's and it's not just that; it's the music as well. It fits perfectly. That initial when you first hear it at the beginning, it's like no, no, no. But when you when you match it to these zombies, the slow-moving kind of swaying to side to side to side with all their gores dripping blood and all this crap all over and whatever. You, it, it, it looks amazing and sounds amazing and looks like a, a zombie film really should look. Obviously, things have moved on a bit since then and there's tons of zombie movies now. And well, I don't believe there's anything as visceral as, as this. I mean, the idea of having a bath bag, you know, just tells you how bad uh, uh, some of this gore is. And it's not for everybody, this film. It really isn't. My wife has never seen it, will probably never see it. Uh, yeah, I couldn't even trick her into watching this film. I really couldn't. It's not something that she would ever watch. Um, but it's the sound design that really, really makes this film for me. It's that's that's what really, really puts it, sets it apart. The the bone crunching, the skin scraping. I'm imagining there's a lot of walnut shells broken for this film because you get that kind of cracking kind of kind of noise and that low guttural hum that he uses in in, in areas of suspense or build up. It, it, it's as close to the brown noise as I think it gets. It really is quite immense and it makes you feel sick. It's like standing right next to a. Uh, a loudspeaker at a concert. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel sick when I'm that close to that that low bass hum. Um, so fantastic film, well worth a watch. Uh, easily available now, and you can probably pick it up for like a couple of quid on DVD in in Play.com or in HMV. It's not. It's, it's a very old film now. It's not expensive. It is coming out on Blu-ray, I think, later this year, um, which will be expensive. But I think you need to experience it on the way it was originally supposed to be seen, which is you know low def, uh, uh, mono mono uh, sound and whatever. Why bother going for the new style stuff? This is this film was made dirt cheap. Watch it dirt cheap. Um, so just to finish off, I mean, it, a lot of films these days get remade. Um, that, that seems to be the trend in Hollywood these days is, is to remake. I mean, would this fit? I've been thinking about it. Um, if there was anybody to take this on, uh, I mean, there's two names that crop, crop up that spring to mind. The first would have been Zack Snyder, um, who made the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Now, I don't think he could do it now, but in the the methodology he was using for films back when he made the remake of Dawn of the Dead, which is a fantastic film, and again, another one of my favourites, um, that would have probably fitted the style better than his current trend of making movies. He's moved on a little bit now. He's much more mainstream, sucker punch. You know, he's going to be the new director of Superman. His new style of making movies wouldn't fit this uh, genre. Um, he uses far too much... Uh, slow mo now and you know that kind of like you know sort of 360 camera work stuff wouldn't really fit this um, but he would have been a good uh, shout for uh, for a director I think the only one that I can think of that would have the um, uh, the the interest in it uh, well not just the interest in it but the 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 old school mentality of filming and and the gore houndness that's required would probably be Eli Roth um, who made Hostel One and of course Hostel Two. Uh, he, I think, could do a, a good job of it. Um, in terms of a cast, uh, you've got to stick unknown. You can't go of any names, just like I said at the beginning. You cast Will Smith in this, you know he's not going to die. Uh, he's going to survive it. Um, you would have to update the zombies, I think. The old style of lumbering zombies works for this um, in, in, in the methodology of the film, but you can't really have it anymore. It, it's, there's too many ways to you know, flip the bird at a zombie and run away. You know, people were stupid back then in the late 70s, early 80s. You can't do it anymore. But thinking back to the Dawn of the Dead remake, right at the end of Dawn of the Dead, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler if you've not seen it, there's obviously that sequence on the island, um, very, very quick. 
sequence of the island, which I think that style would be perfect for this film. You know, to take some of that uh, element and, and and put it into a remake. Of this film would be uh, would be pretty would be worth watching. Um, but ultimately, ultimately, I say leave it alone. Enjoy the old school film the way it was. They don't make them like this anymore. They didn't really make them like this at the time. This is a one-off uh, um, in terms of this uh, uh, genre. He, he did go on to make a couple of uh, uh, films in a, in a similar style, you know, plenty of gore, but nothing with this, um, nothing with this uh, uh, sense of, of, of foreboding and, uh, uh, and intensity that the zombie flesh is absolutely uh, exudes from every pore. 